lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin and he's Aaron McIntyre. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Next hour, a conversation you don't want to miss. Dr. Robert Malone will be joining us. He has filed a lawsuit against the Washington Post. We will discuss that in the latest data on the jabs with him coming up at the top of hour two. For Pop Culture Tuesday, good friend of the show, conservative comedian Tim Young, posted a question on Twitter yesterday, and I saw it, I'm like, you know, that's a really good question. And his question was, when did this whole drag queens for families and kids thing, like, where did this even come from? And I want us to discuss it because... I honestly have no idea. Like it just, like I could see the trans thing coming. I mean, I talked about this before when we were debating gay marriage on this show in the previous decade, I would actually let the other side when we, they'd come on the show back in those days still, they wouldn't now. Um, But I mean, I would tell them you're really arguing that biological sex and or gender don't exist. That's what you're really saying. You're really saying it's that we're amorphous, that it's not natural for men to be attracted to women and vice versa, that the the plumbing doesn't fit a certain way on purpose. Those instincts don't kick in a certain way on purpose. You're really denying that. And they would get like really defensive. So I mean, I could see that debate coming a mile away. Now it's accelerated way beyond the pace that I would have forecasted where we are right now. But I got to tell you, I did not see the whole drag queens at, uh, you know, teabagging your kids at school and twerking for your kids at the library. I didn't like warn about that. I didn't say, hey, we're going to be doing that here in a year or two if we don't shut it down. It just kind of started. So for Pop Culture Tuesday, I want us to have a conversation about where within pop culture did this begin and how did it arrive to where we are at now and see if that might teach us some lessons about where things might go in the future. At the bottom of this hour, for fake news or not, Brett Weinstein is a lefty, but he put out a phenomenal Twitter thread last week. And I want to walk the audience and Todd and Aaron through it and get your thoughts on that coming Eric, up here. Eric Weinstein. Did I say Eric? I'm sorry. Eric Weinstein. Uh, and I want to walk you through that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Last night, just a quick note on something, if you don't mind. Last night, I mean, I, I, I had a phenomenal time. It was perfect weather. I mean, perfect weather last night here in central Iowa. And actually got my 5G to work so I could do Aaron's fantasy league fantasy draft on location because a lot of times for whatever reason, maybe it's because they're smart and they're like, maybe we don't want to have a great uh, internet signal out here with all these kids at the school. At Des Moines Christian, a lot of times you can't get a great signal out there, but I was able to do your fantasy draft last night, sitting outside, watching my son play uh, his first JV football team or football game. Uh, It was an exciting game. 88 points were scored. It was 50 to 38. Uh, they tried to pick on him right away. They The first the opening kickoff of the game, they uh, kicked an onside kick right to him. And they hadn't practiced these or anything at all. You rarely see onside kicks in high school games. But he stood up and recovered it. You know, that was... And given how the game went, that ended up being one of the bigger plays of the game. You know? 
um, because they ended up scoring on that first drive, and it really was a whoever had the ball last kind of a game. So, I mean, it just had a ton of fun. A lot of the family was there. And these are the moments. These are So you can have moments like this. These are the moments why you fight a culture war. You do it for these reasons. It was fascinating seeing my inbox yesterday after the show. And I would say it, you know, 60 to 70% was actually, absolutely, we need to hear more of that. I would say 25 or 30 to 40% very angry, very upset. Probably half of those didn't really understand the point I was trying to make. I, I, I don't care about the Republican Party. I've not been one for over seven years now. I don't I tend not to care about things that don't care about me. I care about me. So when decimating the Republican Party is good for what I believe in, I will do that. When supporting its efforts is good for what I believe in, I will do that. There's a there's a much bigger there's a there's a grander scheme here. And one of my self-appointed roles no one gave me this task. I just nominated myself for the position. I'm admitting that. Uh, is to provoke us. To provoke us to action. What we're up against is a religious level conviction. And I promise you it won't be defeated. I, I just promise you. It won't be defeated by um, I, I, I just want to be comfortable. It's hard. Some of you asked me, well, do you get on Daniel Horowitz for living in Maryland? Do you get on Shannon Joy for living in New York State? I don't. I mean, I think they're wasting their time living there. I mean, I've told them that as their friends. Shannon will be on the show Friday for the roundtable, right? This week? Yep. Yeah. Daniel will be back from vacation on Wednesday. But, I mean, I never said this to Todd, but frankly, I thought all along he'd end up having to move his kids out of that district the way things were trending. But you know what I'm not going to do, though? I'm not going to tell you that while you're going to the school board and doing battle and trying to rage, wage right, a righteous fight and, you know... Because I don't know how it will turn out. I mean, I suspected it would probably going to turn out the way that it ultimately has, that you're moving your kids out of the district. I suspected it would, but I didn't know, you know? And I don't, the last thing you, you do when someone is fighting, actually fighting, is step in and say, eh, I'd maybe throw the rock a different way. Or, eh, you know, I'd maybe stand in this perch instead, because there's so little fighting. Encourage the people that are fighting. I mean, I personally think Shannon and Daniel are wasting their times where they live. And I have communicated that directly to them. But I could be wrong. 
I'm not Jesus. I'm not omniscient. I don't know how it will turn out. And there is something prophetic about laying down ordinance on a stiff-necked and wicked generation. It's downright biblical, in fact, so that they will know that there was a prophet, or in this case, a truth-teller among them. Okay, cool. I'm. But when you went to those school board meetings, you went there, I mean, you were flanked there by a lot of the dads and Carlisle, weren't you? I was not. No? No. How often, I mean, well, I mean, you probably had at least three or four guys that would like show up and have your back, right? No. Not even three or four? Uh, the ones who did show up were women. Oh. Oh, okay. And there were very, very, very few of those. Okay. All right. I mean, Shannon's taking names up there in uh, the greater Buffalo area, or Rochester area, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Then, you know, my analysis is, in the end, you'll just get consumed by the demographics that you're surrounded by, but... You know, my analysis also would have been that dead men don't walk out of tombs three days later. That would have been my analysis at that time. So I don't know. So if you're willing to really fight, like you said yesterday, something tells me that if you actually were, had a sheriff in place that blah, blah, that's, and you laid out several specifics and mm -hmm. Steve would have it singing a different tune, I'd be like, oh yeah, of course. I mean, I still think in the end you run into the monolith, but yeah, okay, you're doing something. I suspect, however, and given a lot of the notes I received yesterday from the angry crowd, and by the way, this isn't to boomers. Oh, no, you guys were last year. <laughs> I'm going after my generation now. You guys, ran your, you guys ran your race. You've done your tour of duty. You're 75, 80, 85, 90 years old. I'm talking to my generation now, the Gen Xers. We're the ones building the businesses and the families. Now, it's our turn. So I'm talking to my own now. A lot of the notes were like a note I received from a gentleman who told me, hey, I found your show last year and really appreciated it. And I'm really offended. You told me I, I, that I, I should move out of California. I can't because of my 93-year-old relative. Now, he could have stopped there, but he didn't. Now, if he would have stopped there, I'd have been like, yeah, I mean, I put family first. Sure. But he didn't stop there. And one of the things he said to me was, well, you know, you're telling me I need to leave the business I've built the last 10 years and, and I'm planning on retiring when I'm 60. I don't know for sure what will win a culture war. I don't. Like the tactics could be all, could be different. Let me tell you what won't win though. I know which for sure won't win. I'm planning on retiring when I'm 60. I promise you. That's right up there with, I just want to be left alone. I didn't want to rock the boat. It's not my place to say, how many wars have ever won by those guys, do you think? I can answer that for you, do you know? It's low none. number. It's a really low number. Yeah, it's probably the lowest one out there, in fact. Yeah. That won't win. By the way, did you not, California not shut your business down a couple of years ago? They didn't do that? Oh, cool. All right. So that, that we can't win. I'm not going to lie to you. And I know this is, this, most people that do this for a living won't do what I am doing here. 
I have no problem if you guys want to make me rich. I certainly will not refuse it. But see, I'm doing this because I want to, I want us to, and I want my family and yours to have more moments like what, what we got last night. The simple things where I got to sit outside on a beautiful evening on a gorgeous campus at a Christian school with my family in a safe environment cheering on my son in a good old contest of Americana. That's, that's it right there. That's it right there. I just went through my father-in-law's military funeral and you walk through the funeral plot there. And it's funny, there were a lot of things written on those headstones, a lot of them. Let me tell you what none of them said. He just wanted to retire when he was 60. It was just too hard. He just wanted to be left alone. It wasn't his place to say anything. He just wanted to rock the boat. Yeah. It's funny, guys. I didn't, I didn't see that on any of the headstones there. Like, none of them, actually. What are we doing this for? I'll tell you what I'm doing it for. I'm not doing it for wealth. I'm not doing it for sport. I'm not doing it for contest. I'm doing it to win. And I don't know for sure how to win, but I do know for sure how to lose. And that is for the other side to have far more conviction than we do. I promise you that we'll lose. Number one, our creator will not honor our complacency and lackadaisicalness. He will not bless that. Number two, even if you don't think there is a God, the people that are more motivated always kick your ass in every history book ever. We can't win that way. So when I bring these things up in these kinds of contexts, I know it won't make me a top five podcast in America. I know it won't put me on 600 radio stations because I know what you're accustomed to. What you're accustomed to is being told that everything happening to you is somebody else's fault. I'm not your mama. And I'm not here to create drones. That's not true. And not even close. I want to win. And I'm looking for people that want to win. And if you don't want to win, and your highest goal is, I want to retire when I'm 60. Cool. I'd like to, there to be an America when I'm 60. Anybody confident about that? No. no. I'm gonna, I just turned 49. I'm not entirely confident there'll be an America when I'm 50. And now here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away.
What happened while we were away brought to you by Polls, Polls, Polls. The Trafalgar Group has come out with numerous polls on key midterm races around the country. We'll start in Arizona, where Trafalgar has Democrat Mark Kelly leading Republican Blake Masters 47.6 to 44.3 percent. In the governor's race, Carrie Lake is leading her Democrat challenger Katie Hobbs 46.5 to 45.8 percent. In Wisconsin, Democrat Mandela Barnes is leading Senator Ron Johnson 49.4 to 47.1%. In the governor's race, Republican Tim Michaels is in a dead heat with Tony Evers, trailing by only a half point, 47.5 to 48%. In Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer leads Republican Tudor Dixon, 49.4 to 45.3% in that gubernatorial race. And in South Carolina, Republican Governor Henry McMaster is enjoying a comfortable lead over Democrat Joe Cunningham. Moving on, here's White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. Our goal is to uh, to keep bringing down inflation without sacrificing uh, the historic uh, and life-changing economic gains that we have seen uh, this country has made over the last 18 months. Tweet from the Associated Press. Leadership at the Federal Reserve has become its most diverse ever. There are more female, black, and gay officials contributing to the central bank's interest rate decisions than at any time in its 109-year history. Karine Jean-Pierre was also asked to comment on why tennis superstar Novak Djokovic is unable to compete in the U.S. Open because he's unjabbed. But, so are, how is it two different things? Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated, they're allowed to stay? But, Why? But that's not how it works. Like, we actually, no. Well, I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what, what is happening. But that's not, it's not like somebody walks over and <laughs> that's not, that's, that's not how. That's exactly what's happening. We, well. In completely unrelated news, the UK government has launched a program to pay COVID jab victims, according to reports. Hundreds of victims have already been paid. FBI Special Agent Timothy Thibault resigned from his post last week after allegedly facing intense scrutiny over allegations. He helped shield Hunter Biden from criminal investigations into his laptop and business dealings. Thibault had come under fire from many, including Senator Chuck Grassley, for his attempts to shut down probes into the younger Biden's laptop and shady business deals. Headline yesterday from the New York Times, new research forecasts more dire sea level rise as Greenland's ice melts. In completely unrelated news, Greenland's ice sheet set a record yesterday, adding over 7 gigatons of mass. That's the largest daily gain recorded during the summer. That's according to official data from the Denmark government. And finally, it's that time of the year again. Oh, hey there. Welcome to Starbucks. What can I get started for you? <laughs> I want pumpkin spice. Do you want that in a tall grande or fifty? I want pumpkin spice! And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Better Spectacles, who made the very glasses that I am wearing today. So if you like those or think you can even do much better, uh, chances are that they can help you with that. They've got, first of all, access to German engineer Rodenstock eyewear for the first time here in the U.S. This is an almost 150-year-old company, one of the world's gold standards, and now you can get cool frames, not dorky ones, with your problematic prescription or bifocals. I've got a little far, a little near, so I've got progressive lenses as well. And now you get the cool kids' uh, frames as well from our friends over at 
Better Spectacles. Don't worry if you've got an everyday prescription, you, uh, you they can take care of you too. Better Spectacles gives you access to some of the best trained opticians in the country and gives you a great introductory offer to get started. 61% off their Ghost Spec lenses and they throw in those aforementioned rodent stock frames for free. When you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. All right, coming up in the overtime today, um, there is a clip, and I don't know this ecosystem very well, admittedly, but there is a clip making the rounds today from Alex Jones saying that uh, Donald Trump called him directly and tried to sell him on the jabs, that the jabs were great, they're working, there's nothing wrong, and he's proud of them, and everybody needs to get on board with that. And then Jones responds by relaying that conversation, and then essentially publicly breaking from Donald Trump. How much does or does this not matter? Because admittedly, I don't know, it's not my native ecosystem, but we will discuss coming up in today's overtime. That'll be right after today's show that we will record it for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. Again, blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber at blazetv.com slash dace. Now, on that front, since I've already ticked a bunch of people off yesterday, might as well go ahead and go here next. Fair? Okay. I want you to mark this entry. Mark this tape, Aaron. Bleep. Okay. It is August 30th, 2022. Something wicked this way comes. You're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, we have a choice to make on the right. Here is the choice. We can either now begin questioning Donald Trump to properly push him. Because, I mean, all these right of center outlets that he goes on never ask him about this. We would, which is why he'd never come on here. Okay. Um, so we don't even ask, but he, he never gets asked about this. He needs to start being asked. I mean, some of the jab data that is out today, that, the UK now starting a fund to compensate the jab injured. Why would they have to do that if it's safe and effective? No, it's a pickle. It's a real pickle. They've also stopped recommending the jabs in the UK for women who are pregnant or want to be. They did that too this week. The data is getting harder to hide. You have Kirk Herbstreet out there today talking about, oh yeah, you know, I had blood clots. But they told me my arteries were clear. That's a freaking quote from Kirk Herbstreet. Doctor told me my arteries were clear, but you've got blood clots. I like to win. <laughs> I think I just made that point, right? Okay, I like to win. And as it stands right now, the overwhelming odds are that if we want to stop the people who think 
Novak Jokovic can't come to the country because he's unjabbed. That's not why they don't want him to come. They don't want him to win. They don't want to admit his argument. See, that's the level of conviction. They're fine looking hypocritical. They're fine looking stupid. They're fine showing no self-awareness at all because they believe that much in the rightness of their cause. This goes to what I was just saying a few minutes ago as well. You can't beat that level of conviction with I'm working on a retirement plan here. You won't. You'll get neither. You, you won't live in a country that'll last to your retirement plan. And then if you do, that'll just take that away from you. You'll get neither and you'll like it. This is a zero-sum game. I don't know how much more plainly to make this. We're in the midst of a steel cage match. Only one of these belief systems is walking out of that cage, guys. Only one of them is. God bless Clay Travis, man. If I see one more article at OutKick, though, about how stupid and dumb they look for their vaccine bans and everything else, they're not dumb and they're not stupid. This is all on purpose. We need to start admitting the nature of the enemy. This was the point of my overtime with Ben Shapiro yesterday. He's analyzing polls and trends as if we're just dealing with dueling political forces. No, we're not. And it's not funny, ha ha. <laughs> Hell is empty for all the devils are here. It takes an incredible amount of conviction to stand up the way that they do. And I don't see it dissipating anytime soon. So it's only going to have to be defeated. Or it will defeat you. If I'm wrong, there's a million other shows that'll tell you the red waves coming to save you. Go tune into them. We have to get to Donald Trump right now because it's overwhelming. He'll be the nominee if you don't want to be governed by the people that are fine wrecking the country in your face. And I would prefer not to be governed by them. Um, I was, that's one of the reasons why I kept trying to get the attention of the Trump White House in 2020 when it was playing right into their hands all the way to losing the election. So you can just see it coming. Now, you can see it coming now. We have a choice to make on the right. We can either start asking Donald Trump questions about these jabs that eventually prod him into taking the right position, or we will attempt um, instead to defend the indefensible when we're cornered in the 24 campaign as they blame the entire thing on him. Hell, Rochelle Walensky's even out there now walking away from lockdowns. I don't want to comment on lockdowns. It went on before I was even here and had nothing to do with because remember, he, he told us he saved a bunch of lives with this glorious lockdown, too, yes. right? Yeah. You can see this coming. You can see it coming. Vice President candidate Kamala Harris saying, I wouldn't take a Trump jab. Would you take a Trump vaccine? I don't think you should. To then trying to force it on you after they admitted they don't actually stop the spread. They tried to force it on you a month after CDC admitted they don't stop the spread. Next year, President Kamala is going to start is going to blame him for how reckless these things were. If we didn't issue the 15 days to flatten the curve, this economy is not our fault. We didn't do that. We've been trying to bail out from that. You can just see all this coming a mile away, man.
Now, knowing how we operate as a movement in an industry, I'm pretty confident we're going to make the wrong choice. I'm pretty confident we're going to sit here and do fluffer duty for a couple years. And then next year, when the bodies are way too high, or even two years from now, way too high to hide, we're going to try to argue some nuanced point. Well, he didn't sign a mandate it like you did. You already lost. You already lost. So, remember today, August 30th. When we're sitting here in August of 24, completely cornered in an indefensible position, losing an election we should absolutely be winning. Just remember that we didn't do our jobs. And we covered for Mr. Trump instead. Is that okay? Just thought I want to lay that marker down now because you can just see it coming. I'd prefer it not. I'm not empowered to do it though. I don't have a top five, top 10 podcast, top 10 show. I don't, I don't have, I'm not on 600 radio stations. I don't have his ear because I don't kiss his ass. So I don't have the ability to like move a mass agenda. So I'm just urinating into the wind here. We're a pretty upper middle class successful show. But there's a reason why Jared Kushner is not coming on here to promote his book. There's a reason why I don't get invited to CPAC, okay? There's a reason why I'm not on the mainstream conservative speaker tour and likely never will be. At this point, I feel like Mark Twain. I, I wouldn't want to be a member of a club that would have me. But when we're sitting here in this late summer of 24, heading into the fall campaign, defending an defensible position if they completely have gaslighted this entire Fourth Reich scandemic on his shoulders in the, in, his, in the campaign. Just know at least somebody tried to warn us. Majority of U.S. pork production comes from a company that has Chinese ownership. So, I mean, that's cool. Read an article the other day, too, about electric cars that basically the entire industry is a China dominated. They pretty much own the vast majority of commodities and tech necessary to mass populate people to electric cars. So, that's basically just a surrender mechanism. A lot of our food supply um, is the exact. Same way. That's why if you want good old-fashioned farm-to-table food, look for people like our friends over at Moink. They deliver grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and more straight to your door from family farms that are independent and uh, farm the way that your grandparents did. Uh, If you want to join the Moink movement right now, uh, you get free filet mignon in every order for a year if you do that. Free filet mignon in every order for a year if you do that. One year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. If you join up today at uh, Moink, M-O-I-N-K, moinkbox.com slash Steve. That's moinkbox.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to fake news or not. And... Eric Weinstein is, is kind of a, a left-wing intellectual online. Who's the guy 
that was um, the founder of The Intercept. Is it, is it Glenn Reynolds? Is that who I'm thinking Greenwald. is? Glenn, Glenn Greenwald. Greenwald yeah. Yeah. I would say he, him, they're kind of similar. Is that, is that a fair comparison for those of you so. that are not involved yeah. in the, you know, the philosophical uh, metaverse? Very similar to Glenn Greenwald that a lot of you probably know from seeing him on Tucker's show. And think, <laughs> just things you thought you'd never see. I'd love to go back and tell my, my, 20, my 2012 self that some of the most important culture war conversations in the country were going to be had by Tucker Carlson and Glenn Greenwald. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. I mean, it's just nuts. That, that's why when people are fighting, if, even if I don't think it'll work, I try not to get in the way of it. You know, the Bible puts it this way. Don't muzzle the ox while it's treading its grain. Okay. So if people are doing righteous stuff, I, I won't get in the way of it. Even if I'm like, I don't know if I don't think it ought to work. Or if you ask me to predict how it'll turn out, I'm probably not that optimistic, but I don't know. You know, it's only when we're not fighting that I tend to get in the way. Cause I know that never works. Like, I don't know if your method of fighting is better than what I would suggest, or if mine is better than yours. I don't know that, but I do know not fighting always loses. I know that one. Is that fair? Is that a fair prediction to make? I like my way of doing something over your way of doing nothing at all. Thank yes. you, D.L. Moody. Yes, one of my all-time favorite quotes. Yes, I know not doing nothing at all always, well, does nothing at all. I know that. And Eric has, has done a lot of quality critical thinking throughout the last 29 months of COVID. And a few days ago, we put out this Twitter thread that I want to share with you. He asked, have you wondered why folks like you previously thought of as left of center are appearing on Tucker Carlson, Epic Times, The Blaze, etc.? It's effectively the story behind this tweet. Before 2011, outfits like NPR were left-leaning news sources. But about 10 years ago, that changed. And it's a tweet for anyone who still had any doubts about Lancet COVID-19 Commission Chair Jeffrey Sachs' full descent into whichever level of hell the unredeemable cranks populate. He's now done a podcast on SARS-CoV-2 origins with the world's foremost anti-vaxxer. All right, and it's from someone named Dr. Angela Rasmussen, whom I do not know, even though she's a virologist at Georgetown with 400,000 Twitter followers. But the idea that people just aren't worthy of even being engaged, acknowledged, if they dare to have their own thoughts. A Kennedy. And, and a Kennedy. This is a person of the left saying that a Kennedy is not even worthy of being addressed. And so if they are willing to turn on someone who's a Kennedy like that, what do you think they're willing to do to you? But it's okay. You're planning to retire at 60. Anyway. Eric says, I used to talk to folks at CNN, NPR, and the Washington Post. By the way, so did I. I'll get into that in a second. That's why this Twitter thread stood out to me. All the time on inflation. Guys, it, Aaron, it was, what, three or four years ago, CNN, the, 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 yeah. the heads of CNN's digital team came into this studio to interview me for a gig. Do you remember yep. this? I totally had forgotten about it until yep. just now. I used to talk to folks at CNN, NPR, Washington Post. This is a guy of the left now. Eric is saying this. All the time on inflation, physics, immigration, science policy, etc. Then mysteriously, reporters slowly started complaining about the situation at work much more. It seemed like we went from news with spin to narrative. This is a this is an observation we've made on this show mm -hmm. that that prior to say 2016, the news had been left wing biased for decades. 
but it was still mostly factually accurate. The spin they would put on the facts which certain would almost always be from a certain point of view, but the facts themselves, we could still honestly glean and analyze. You chew up the fat, spit out the meat, or chew up the meat and spit out the fat, right? Mm-hmm. Now we can't even do that. We can't even do that. I mean, look at, look at, we just go back to last Tuesday and what we did on the recent polling history of many of these exact same outlets. What was it? CNN was off by nine points mm-hmm. in the 2020 yep. election. Nine. Nine. I mean, James Kahn lost his job in L for a minus eight. What happens when you're minus nine? <laughs> well, apparently you just do it again, I guess, because that's what you're doing it on purpose. Narrative driven news. Boy, who says that? Narrative casting. That's what we say on this show. Mm-hmm. Narrative driven news, Eric says, was the New York Times special brand. On the one hand, it was written with lively prose. On the other, I hated the idea that the narrative arc was constructed to fit facts that sometimes hadn't even happened yet. The idea of narrative beyond spin took off. Reporters started warning me. We're hiring kids we don't who don't believe in objectual factual reporting. We're being pushed to be on Twitter. Editors are, aren't letting out the best stories through as much. I can't use you anymore if you aren't going to play ball with the narrative. It sucks. I'm sorry. I had a CNN producer tell me this. A guy who had booked me on the network several times. Then out of nowhere, used to call and ask me, what's your take on this? And then decide if they wanted my take. Then when I gave him my take and he said, well, actually, what we're looking for now are sides. He told me this. Same guy that had booked me several times. We're looking for sides, and your take doesn't conform to either side, so sorry. That's what Eric is talking about. I can probably figure out the last time a reporter called me up trying to understand a story as opposed to trying to get the, get the grist for a gotcha piece. Yep. Same CNN producer hadn't called me for well over a year. And then out of the blue, when I was critical of Trump doing fluffer duty for the, 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 the butcher over there in Pyongyang... Suddenly remembered who I was and tried to call me and get me on right away. Do you guys remember that too? Uh, very yeah. much. Yeah. See, he's talking about all the exact same stuff. Okay. So what happened? Many Democrats tried to go back to NPR, etc., but found a door slammed in their face. Eventually, we took the hint. Journalism at prestige legacy media properties was changing. News desks were dropping stories entirely that didn't fit in-house narratives. They weren't forced to report them and spin them they would just spike a story that they would previously try to scoop and this led to a question if fox news is willing to run and spin a story that the new york times or cnn is pretending doesn't exist do i go on that channel now at first you think why would left-leaning media push smart left-leaning academicians to the right but then you get it the answer is, is that if you're a Democrat in the U.S. who doesn't agree with the new crazy direction of the party and its media, then in the new world, you need to become one of two things, A, silent, or B, identified with a discredited far Looney Tunes right. Hence, you went on Fox. So you'll see the following tweet. If you want to know, if, if you want to know who Professor ABC really is, look where she chooses to appear. But the good doctor ABC isn't making his choice. She is choosing not to be silenced by media that stopped reporting and started defending news narratives. So expect more and more ordinary dissenting professors, physicians, economists, technologists to show up on right of center platforms. They aren't making the choice you are being led to believe they are. Ask instead, why did they choose Fox over NPR? And then you'll learn why. 
The last piece of diabolical BS you will hear is that is boohoo. People with enormous platforms whine about being canceled or silenced. Go cry to your millions of listeners. Not the point. Institutions can ignore almost any individuals with large followings, but not big media. The point of cancellation is making sure you have to go on Joe Rogan to spread reason dissent. If you really could do it through legacy media, it would force hearings. It would force disclosures. It would force resignations, but experts can't get the needed access anymore. Moral, when you want to know why dissenting Democrats are all over right-wing media, it is largely about blackballing all those who would disassemble the House narrative and strategies of the institutions. Legacy media is by and for institutions now. That's why it seems insane. Don't fall for the Dr. XYZ went on Epic Times. It's a trick. Learn it. Instead, ask, why didn't you go on MSNBC, NPR, New York Times, CNN instead? And brace yourselves for the answer. Summer of 2015, right on the dawn of the 2016 Iowa caucus cycle. The New York Times sent a reporter named Jackie Calms out here for several days to do a big, huge Sunday, New York Times, Sunday Magazine cover feature on me. That's kind of the alleged hidden power of the Iowa caucus. It's way overrated my influence, but of course I was going to let them do it. <laughs> okay. Um, I let Jackie into my home. Who was the reporter at the Washington Post that got busted for the joke? Dave. Oh. Uh, Ruben, uh, no, not Ruben. Uh, Weigel. Right? Dave Weigel. Yeah. Dave Weigel. Also been a guest in my home. Met my children. Used to talk to him for stories all of the time. He wouldn't dare call me. No. Especially after his suspension. But the New York Times said Jackie Calms out here. She did a great job on the feature, by the way. I mean, I liked it enough. It's framed in my basement. I mean, the way that the issues and stuff are framed are all from their point of view. But the facts are legitimately true. I even let her talk to my mom about, you know... Uh, her decision not to have an abortion and everything else. I mean, Jackie did a very professional job. Now, it's for largely a New York Times audience, so it is spun in their direction, but the facts of who I am and what I'm about. She had dinner with us and our family in our home one evening. We cooked for her. The facts themselves are absolutely accurate. When did I say that was? About a decade. 2015. 15. There is no way in hell they'd sent her out here to do a feature on somebody like no. me now. And that's barely seven years ago. And you guys, some of you are wondering why I'm not planning to retire at 60. Seven years ago, I was one of the most quoted individuals in mainstream media from the right. I never ever was an anonymous and never have been an anonymous source for anybody. But it was an, I found it to be an opportunity for us to get our narrative into their ecosystem, exactly what Eric is talking about. I forced them to cover our issues from our perspective. They don't want to do that anymore. And so they won't even call people like me anymore. We don't exist. If Eric Weinstein and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. are intolerables, what are all of us? But you go on ahead and you plan for that retirement at 60. I'm, I'm sure these people will be very kindly 
and letting you enjoy it. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I was uh, reminded recently by a buddy of mine of this. I, I felt this play out in my own experience when I was at the Des Moines Register. I didn't know that it was going on, uh, that it represented it, what Steve was talking about beyond this. But when I was actually given by the uh, editor there uh, the job of religion reporter, he actually he liked me. He, he was roughly a centrist, uh, and I had that job literally for like two weeks because God's providential timing. A story, it wasn't just a cute fringe of religion story. A story of national import politics came in. I wrote it, gave it to the desk of the the lead political editor, who is now the one who's the editor of the paper uh and she spiked it and had it re-reported wrote itself and i never wrote another religion story again this is exactly what steve was talking about they were on the march they had decided a long time ago while all of us had delusions about how uh our comfort was going to protect us and that this whole thing called the american experience was on cruise control but journalism was already magical and not at all broken and marching hard in the direction of the moment we are currently in. Top reply to that Twitter thread that Twitter uh, has, uh, has selected for our viewing. Somebody named Esben K. Raven with 1,400 followers. Somebody from Denmark. Responding to Eric Weinstein. Quote, So you go on propaganda outlets because your voice fits unopposed in their propaganda. You prefer to be relevant. You prefer that to being relevant in the mainstream media as the mainstream beats the propaganda outlets any day in fairness and objectivity. This should provoke an evaluation of your output. In other words, completely confirming his entire threat. Invincible ignorance. Yes, correct. I just. You played yourself. Um, This this is once again. Proof positive. I don't know. I I really don't know if it was Trump, if it was Donald Trump who broke the media, if it was the economic realities of a digital world, increasingly digital world, that sped up the transition, or whether it was something with Barack Obama, but something changed, something changed about 10 to 12 years ago. It could have been the new generation of journalists, but now you see all sorts of older, more experienced journalists. You just listed off uh, uh, several who won't even, uh, Steve Dace, uh, who I've never even heard of him. After being guest in my home. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what changed there, but something changed It was like an Order 66 type of thing. Yep. You are no longer interested in, you know, facts. You're no longer interested in spin. You are interested in, you are interested in the hive mind narrative. I'm putting that out there. You know, I would like to say it's the economic realities where you just got to get clicks, but that's not really true because... The economics show it's not actually that profitable. I don't know what happened. Something switched and irrevocably probably. I know what happened. All those things you mentioned gave them the excuse to do what they wanted to do anyways. Because I know these people. I worked with them for 12 years. Irrevocably, it is now an enemy of the people. And a new generation comes in, doesn't have all the relationships with people like you, Mm -hmm. right? That make some of those confrontations and, and shunnings more difficult. 
So they are completely emotionless. There's no nostalgia, no personal tie there whatsoever. So we're fine just giving you a serial number mm -hmm. and putting you on the ideological train. Yeah. Hour two is next. Greetings. Welcome back to Hour 2 Live and On Demand here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre Totters. And, and all of you, don't forget that all of you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. -E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and also on Getter. And then you can uh, get some clips of the show that are free of any censorship and free to watch. When you head over to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, and again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E, -E. and you can also, if you are a podcast listener, thank you very much. You're a big part of our show success. Please leave us a five-star review if you've yet to do that. I don't know if you can leave multiple five-star reviews, but I'm totally okay with it if you want to try. Uh, you can also hit the subscribe and follow button, and we thank you for uh, providing that offering to the algorithmic gods in the hope that they may... Uh, shine benevolently upon thee. So thank you very much for each and every one of those. This portion of the show brought to you by a very uncertain real estate market in interest rates all over the place. Don't know if you caught the data point that I shared yesterday. A little over 1200 bucks was the average mortgage payment in America when Joe Biden was inaugurated. It is over $2,200 right now. An 89% increase. I think that certainly describes what we mean by these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. I mean, that's very unprecedented. We've just never seen anything like that in American history, which is why it is more important than ever. If you are going into the Let's Go Brandon real estate market, you've got an agent that you can trust, and we can help you find one of those. In fact, we've got thousands more waiting in line to be certified and put into the database at realestateagentsitrust.com. But the reason why they're waiting, we don't just put anybody in there. We make sure to vet and verify their track record. You'll find that a lot of these agents from around the country come from right here within this audience. So head over to the website, provide some basic info, and our team will contact you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents when you head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, he is one of the smartest dudes that is out there right now. And he joins us again on the show. Dr. Robert Malone is here with us on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Dr. Malone, it is good to have you back. Steve Dace here. How are you? I'm good, Steve. And thank you. Uh, and, and congratulations. You know, I'm a big fan of Blaze Media and Blaze TV and your program. And I also want to give a shout out to the comment you just made. Uh, unprecedented. It hasn't even been two years. I know. So much has happened. There's been so much damage in such a short period of time. I'm I'm reeling at the thought of another two years, no matter what happens in November. Reeling is a good word. Um, and, and I definitely want to get into the particulars of where things are at with the virus and the jabs. But, but, but I want to start with kind of a meta topic here, and that is the, the lawsuit you just filed against the Washington Post. We were just... We were just going through a Twitter thread. I don't know. Do you know? I don't know Eric Weinstein only by name. Do you know him at all? Have you had a chance to encounter him over the last 29 months of COVID skepticism? Uh, no, just indirectly. Okay. He put out a fantastic Twitter thread the other day 
about a bunch of people, whether it's people like him, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, a bunch of other people that would have considered themselves people of the left. Someone I know you know, Dr. Pierre Corey, would have considered himself a person of the left. I know you would have considered yourself a person of the left, okay? And to, to some degree, okay. But how these people now can't get gigs, they can't get on NPR, they can't get on MSNBC, CNN, CBS. And if, and, and so they've, because they have a dissenting uh, from the regime narrative, a dissenting viewpoint. And instead of investigating their claims, they just shun them. And then when they appear on places like The Blaze or Fox, they then play this shell game where it's like, see, they're going on these right-wing conspiratorial sites because uh, they're lying. Well, they, they're the reason that they have to come to talk to people like us is because you won't talk to them. And I, I thought about that in relationship to your lawsuit. Just a few years ago, the Washington Post would have been tripping all over itself to get someone with your background, expertise, and credentials into an article. Uh, one of its head political reporters, David Weigel, was once a guest in my home just a couple years ago. Now they wouldn't call me unless it was, hey, we've got uh, some made-up allegations against you, and now you're suing them. It, 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 what's happened here? Did, did COVID, Robert, reveal that these fissures were always there or did it give certain elements in our society the green light to just go ahead and hit the gas on those fissures at maximum impact? Uh, can I select all the above, please? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, traditionally I've been center left or center, but uh, very much a freedom lover. Uh, as you may recall, Steve, uh, I live, I've been, this is my fifth or sixth small farm. I was a carpenter and a farmhand before I was a physician and a scientist. Uh, yes, I do drive a tractor and my wife thinks it's sexy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but we're in our sixties. So just, uh, you know, uh, curb your enthusiasm there. Uh, but, um, uh, we, we absolutely have sought out a, um, Galt's Gulch-like existence. I am a fan of Rand, Ayn Rand uh, and her writing and, and uh, very deeply influenced by it. So I, I think that personally, and I got to credit um, uh, your key member of Blaze Media, Mr. Glenn Beck, for having the my having the insight after being on his program in a, in a series of interviews, which I was told was unprecedented. I think this was before the Rogan hit, radio interviews with Glenn. And after that, I realized that I had a lot more in common with Glenn Beck than I had with uh, the people that uh, remained in California. At that point, I was living in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the realization that I had was that these terms of left versus right or Democrat versus Republican, this false dichotomy is completely outdated and a more accurate. I think there's a number of substitutes that are more accurate right now, but one of them is the tension between people who believe in a collectivist globalist world mm -hmm. and people who believe in individualism mm -hmm. and uh, wish to be free. Mm -hmm. And my friend Matthias Desmet, uh, this uh, author of the, the um, uh, very uh, a banned uh, term, uh, 
the the uh, mass formation or mass formation psychosis or mass psychosis in his book, uh, the, Psycholog the Psychology of Totalitarianism, Matthias teaches that only about 10% of people want to be free. Mm. I believe that's the case. I think that most people want to be told what to do. Mm. And the, rub the fly in the ointment for these people that have been trying to impose all this censorship and information control on the world and uh, trying to drive us to, uh, you know, we have these different words, new world order, the great reset. Uh, we could just call it centralized global totalitarianism, or we could use this term that has been misappropriated and bandied about uh, willy nilly as an attack euphemism. It, the term is fascism. Mm. And we're all now, including yourself, I'm sure, accused of being far right fascists. Um, and if you, I, I was a student, an uh, avid student of political scientist uh, of science as an undergraduate. And so I went back and made sure I understood what fascism was as a political science term. It's the fusion of the interests of corporations and the state, what mm -hmm. we call the administrative state. And we have a fancy word for it now that we use, like so many other things, in a very Orwellian way, we de redefine all our words. And that term that's the approved term for what is really fascism is public-private partnerships. Yep. And we hear that term all the time in the government. And then we hear the media slandering the likes of you and me as far-right fascists, when in fact what we are is the diametric opposite of fascists. We're freedom lovers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's the world we're in. So regarding the uh, Washington Post... Yes, in fact, for years, I have been a background source. I, I really don't, don't seek historically. I've tried to stay below the radar. I have not uh, sought publicity. And I've often been a background source for The Post and The New York Times. And, uh, you know, including with Cheryl Gay Stolberg, I was the guy who was the main whistleblower on the Jesse Gelsinger death uh, from Jim Wilson at UPenn. And I basically blew my gene therapy career as an academic by speaking out on that. But morally, ethically, it was the right thing to do, and I don't regret it. And I think it's part of why, for me, I've been comfortable speaking out in this case is because I've already been through this once. I've already had a career destroyed for speaking out about uh, what I believed then was the right thing, um, the proper bioethically correct position, and I was validated then. And I, you know, I so I came into this with a sense of calm, confidence and calm, knowing that if I stood with the facts and tried to just speak truth to the best of my ability and acknowledge when I get it wrong that uh, I would come out of this the other end uh, with my integrity intact and uh, meanwhile have done a good deed that I can take with me to the grave and say, hey, you know, I said the right thing and did the right thing at the right time. Mm. Uh, so that's, that gives me a lot of inner peace. Uh, and I'm fortunate in being supported by uh, my wife and partner, Dr. Jill Glasspool Malone, who's deeply trained in bioethics and many other things, uh, public policy, 
biotechnology and anthropology, uh, which has been helpful as we've gone through this. And together, uh, as a you know long-standing couple, married since we were high school sweethearts, we've been able to stand uh, against the against the wind uh, that's been blown at all of us, and continue to speak our truth. And I think there's a lot of alignment between our truth and your truth. So I thank you for your leadership also. But in the case of the Washington Post, what happened here, as often happens now, I've learned. I've learned so many things about the press. The press now, the corporate press, is largely staffed by people that have been trained as advocacy journalists. And if you pick apart, go to Webster's, look up advocacy journalism and look up propaganda, and you will see that they're pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Advocacy journalism has come to become the prominent theme in most journal journalist education in the United States, particularly in Columbia School, in large part because of very large grants that have been given by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to promote advocacy journalism in the schools of journalism. So that's that's where we're at. How do these people operate? They basically come to you and, and they run, they are functionally con artists. They try to con you by using terms like, we just wanna help tell your story. Right. You've been aligned. Um, they try to gain your confidence and uh, seduce you to revealing information which they turn around, weaponize, and use to attack you. So you are in this con game, the mark. Uh, you, If they come to you, my friends in the freedom-loving community, if they come to you and you see these kinds of tactics, uh, the only response is to say no. And I had been compelled by Matthias's uh, comments that we need to engage with the other side. And I agreed to let the New York Times uh, into the farm and spend a couple of days with us. And they said the same things. I've documented this whole dialogue back and forth on our Substack. You can look it up and see the way they play this game. We let them in. Baby Alba was the journalist. I have reason to believe that she has intelligence community ties. And she disregarded the information that we gave her about, for instance, the patent history, et cetera, and wrote another attack piece. Uh, when I got the call from the young journalist from the Washington Post who wanted to um, hail me during the uh, protest for the Stop the Mandates March uh, between uh, the Washington Monument and Lincoln Memorial in January of this year, the cold January, major success. Uh, I got this contact and he said, and I posted the email without redacted so you don't see his email address, I don't wanna dox him, uh, in which he said, oh, Robert Malone, I'm such a fan, you've done great work, uh, I'm paraphrasing, you know, I so respect all you've done, would you please let me tail you uh, throughout this protest? And my response, when I saw that, I've now been through the mill enough times that I said very gently, no, that will not be possible, I can't support that. So I didn't tell him to go pound sand, uh, kind of wish I did, 
Uh, <laughs> I was very gentle to him and said, no, I just can't do this. We're too busy. And uh, so he went around and tried to interview anybody he could to come up with any kind of slanderous little comment that he could exploit. And the only thing he could find was somebody within the government speaking off the record uh, that made some vague statement uh, to the effect that I should be careful what I say. Um, and uh, then he wrote this attack article in which he selected a phrase that I said in my speech, took it out of context, and then weaponized it against me, called me a liar, mm. and many other things. And uh, of course, as a medical professional with a medical license, I'm not just a public figure, I'm a professional also, and my integrity uh, is kind of important to my ability to do my business. And uh, so they put out this uh, attack article, and then um, we sent them a cease and desist letter and asked them to take it down and apologize. And instead what they did was they reprinted it essentially with some additional claims that were also defamatory, and the head of the Washington Post put out a defamatory tweet. Uh, so I was so important, apparently, that it rose to the level that the uh, head of the Washington Post had to personally tweet out his own personal attack against me um, from his Washington Post uh, blue check uh, Twitter account. Uh, and so that of all the, the various uh, entities we've sent cease and desist letters to, Atlantic Monthly, uh, New York Times, uh, Rolling Stone, uh, The Scientist, uh, private parties that have been attacking me on Twitter, et cetera. The one that was kind of most egregious was the Washington Post. And Steve, here's the problem in all of this, is many states have what's called an anti-slap law. So if you try to sue somebody for defamation and they can wiggle out of it because they say, for instance, the claim, I'm a public figure and so therefore I can't be defamed. That's the logic and that's supported by a Supreme Court case. Uh, and so uh, they, they can wiggle out of this. And if they can, then you, if under in an anti-slap state like California, you can have to pay your legal, your legal fees as well as theirs. So there's a real strong disincentive. And many lawyers are, are absolutely not interested in filing a defamation case. Right. But right. if you can establish that there was malice, uh, then you circumvent the a public figure clause. And so we assert that this pattern of disregarding our uh, cease and desist letter, republishing with even more defamatory claims, putting stuff out on Twitter that was defamatory, et cetera, clearly demonstrates that there was malicious intent. And we filed in the state of uh, Virginia, where I reside, and uh, where the Washington Post has corporate offices. So there's no question of whether or not there's a jurisdiction issue here. And the case has been assigned to a judge. I'm not going to mention the judge's name, but uh, my lawyer is confident that that judge is very experienced. He's a senior judge here in the state of Virginia, very experienced in defamation lawsuits. So and you'll recall, this is the state where the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case was heard. Mm -hmm. 
So we're cautiously optimistic, but well aware of the personal financial risk here. And, and I, I am absolutely not uh, um, naive about the very hard road that we face, uh, but um, uh, my attorney, who also represents many of the other physicians and many others uh, in this freedom movement, uh, believes that this particular case looks like it uh, may be a well positioned to kind of break through the the huge wall that they've set up to make it so that they can defame and slander people without having any liability or consequences. I've got about three minutes. So I want to ask you an open-ended question and I want, I want to give you the chance to answer it the way you see fit. So I'm not slanting the question in any way, shape or form. Okay. Why did the COVID vaccine program fail? It failed because there, so it's multifaceted. People have been trying to build a coronavirus vaccine for literally decades. I had actually submitted a grant for building an RNA coronavirus vaccine from UC Davis in the 90s. It fails again and again. There's been two that have succeeded in animals. So there's fundamentals about the immunology of coronaviruses. And then there is the problem of a untested technology, these genetic vaccines, that was expedited in a, you know, talk about uh, curb your enthusiasm. They were grossly naive about the technology and just wanted to jam it through and uh, breached all the norms that are designed to protect people from uh, bad medicine. Uh, and then there was the politics. So it's really uh, multifactorial, Steve. And, uh, but the underlying immunology has always been problematic. And now we're seeing the consequences of that with the immune imprinting, original antigenic sin, and all these things that are setting it up so that all over the world, the people at highest risk for death and hospitalization right now, the vast majority of people that are being hospitalized or dying are the ones that are multiply inoculated with these genetic vaccines. It's just the unfortunate truth. How can people follow your Substack, which is outstanding, by the way? Direct them to that place. Thank you, Steve. That's a kind comment. Um, it's uh, rwmalonemd.substack.com. And we also post the daily uh, information on Getter at rwmalonemd, also on Gab and uh, Truth Social. But uh, the Getter's the main feed. But uh, I appreciate the push for the Substack. Uh, we do put every out a, a document seven days a week it comes direct to your mail you don't have to pay uh and we put about 46 hours a day into each of those it shows it's a great Substack. good to talk to you again dr malone thank you for joining us today on the blaze all right take care thank you steve Bye -bye. thank you you bank you bet uh, brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, you know taking care of your pet means more than just the old food and water. It's a big part of your family, so it's health and happiness matters to you. Here's the bad news, though. A lot of the foods you want to buy your pets, the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, probiotics, etc., 
that it needs the most stripped out of its food before it ever leaves the factory. Same reason they do that to a lot of the people. Food we eat today as well for mass distribution. And that's why we as people, we take so many supplements today. And now there is one for your pet. It's called Rough Grange. You mix it in with your pet's food and restore a lot of those vitamins, minerals, nutrients, and more that were taken out. And then you may be wondering though, well, what if it doesn't make a difference in my pet? And what if my pet doesn't like what it does to its food? Well, good questions. And one way to get the answer is if we give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for nothing. We'll give it to you for free. We ask for you to pay the shipping because we often find when people get free stuff, they don't do anything with it when it's completely free. So you put up a few bucks for the shipping so that you are pot committed. We'll pick up the bigger expense of the bag itself to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in 14 days or less when you go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Thoughts on our conversation with uh, Robert Malone here this hour? Well, this time the main thrust of it was about uh, his lawsuit uh, and journalism ethics in general. He's absolutely right to kind of reframe you psychologically for what you're dealing with when they come a-calling. Do, do not be naive that uh, you are they are genuinely interested in your off-the-reservation point of view. You are not allowed to go off the reservation. And you are perhaps a far, far bigger danger to them than Steve or I are, who never have been on the reservation. Correct. If you are like uh, Robert Malone... Consider this a visit by a mobster who's telling you without telling you that you do this or else. It's you, a nice, you wake it's up a, it, with a, it's a nice head. barber shop you have out here on the waterfront. Exactly. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Exactly. Yeah. These, these pe- now, it's, it's pathetic to say this. Again, these are, people are weak, whizzlings, one-on-one nothings know a lot of them but complete betas behind the power of the keyboard and knowing the lay of the land as they do and how little pushback there is and people will always hide behind their cover and say well that guy's a radical not like me but these people are assassins understand that if you don't uh you will not be equipped Uh, you will unfortunately fall into and he's more than capable of uh digging out of this but you you may not have the means of Robert. And you will have dug yourself a hole based on assuming that this is still Mayberry. This is it, it it's it's not anymore. These aren't newspapers. These aren't news shows at all. No, they're triumph of the at will. All. It's triumph of the yes. will. Whether it's in print, whether it's in HTML, whether it's on video, whether it's audio, it's just all triumph of the will. That's all that it is at this point, Aaron. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I, when I visualize the mainstream media in my mind, I think of some beast that just, just prowls about all the time looking for next thing to devour. Is that, sounds familiar, sounds familiar to me. People like Taylor Lorenz at the Washington Post You know the reason why she never gets fired despite making so many mistakes, like obvious mistakes, 
Because she's doing exactly what they because want her to do. she's doing what they want her to do. Now, what's that say? What's that say? I, I just, again, right now they're coming for people whose names you know. And they will continue to do that. One day very soon, though, one day very soon, they may come after you. They, they are like, there are services I think businesses can pay for to get leads, to get leads. They are like that, and they will be like that to the American police state on the trajectory that we're going. Hey, FBI, uh, I just wrote this story. Uh, you want to check this guy out? That, that's, how this, that's how this thing will go down. Not that the FBI really needs that. But that's, that's the level of craven evil that we're dealing with. There is nothing on the up and up here. And I'm bright, uh, painting with a broad brush. Yeah, they are, there are still, every now and then, there are still people who are able to, for whatever reason, kind of carve out their little niche where they're not co- totally consumed by the, the narrative casting uh, behemoth that this is. But it doesn't matter because there's too few of them. It is just, it exists now for the punishment and the social humiliation of its opponents, of opponents to the narrative. The term that Robert used, reeling, just stuck out to me when he said it, Mm -hmm. sticks out to me now. It does feel like it's just reeling like something's been loosened as Aaron said like a a latch on a box has been opened and all forms of of terribles are plunging forth one of the worst is what we're going to talk about next where in the world did this trend even come from stay tuned I kind of chuckled when I got up this morning because uh, when we tell you about our uh, about our uh, Eden Pure air purifiers, these just, you know, they're about this big plugs. There's a plug right on the outside plugs right into your wall outlet. And there you go. All right. It's thunderstorm purifier kicks in, uh, eliminating odors, viruses, mold and so much more out of the air. It's filterless. I asked, how does that work? They explained it to me. And because I'm not Robert Malone, I didn't understand a lot of it. So I can't really explain it to you, but I tried. But I, I kind of chuckled because Noah has turned the living room into kind of his football season staging area. It's where a lot of the equipment and stuff is kept and everything else in that corner. In of your the, living room? In the corner of the living room. I, I'm, wow, I'm, you're I'm, losing I'm, your fastball, I, Steve I'm going to have to step because Mama is not. It's her baby, though, so she doesn't want to say anything. Okay, but... Now she's at the point, you need to say something because she doesn't want to say anything to him. She wants me to do it. Anyway, I got up this morning and hadn't been plugged in for a while. But you were mentioning to me a little while ago, you saw some of the pictures that Amy posted on Facebook about the game last night. And it was, no, clearly looked like he got a lot of game action last night. He was sweating pretty good, right? I get up this morning, I hear the, and it's a very, the house has to be silent for you to hear the hum of the air purifier. So I'm going to make you feel like just because it's called a thunderstorm, it doesn't sound like one. It won't like dominate your home. 
but it's quiet. I'm the first one up. I come downstairs and I hear the little hum from the living room. Someone had gone into that living room where Noah's football equipment staging area is and plugged back in the air purifier. So we'd be in there overnight taking the Noah out of the air. Okay. If you want to give these a shot, clean, fresh air. They're even football, high school football player in your home proof. All right. Uh, go to EdenPureDeals.com. Put in discount code Steve3. You'll save 200 bucks on a three-pack. You'll get that three-pack for uh, just around uh, 200 bucks, actually. All three of them under 200 bucks and free shipping when you use the code Steve3, code Steve3 at EdenPureDeals.com. All right. Let's wrap things up here with Pop Culture Tuesday. And this is when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism here on the show. And I saw a question posed on Twitter yesterday by a good friend of the program, current conservative comedian, Tim Young. And Tim essentially asked, when did exactly drag shows become children's entertainment and family friendly? And it was just one of those things you see every now and then you're like, huh, yeah, uh, like, there are certain things you can see happening on the horizon. You know, like what I warned you about earlier in the show. We could do something about it. Now, there is a slow motion punch coming right at our faces. Schedule the land sometime post-Labor Day 2024 called Donald Trump's dangerous rushed vaccines that have now too high of a body count to hide. Right? You can, we, all can, we can see it coming. We can see it coming slow-mo, and now we could duck. Nah. We're going to stand perfectly still and let him hit us with it. That's, what, that's just how we roll. It's just our way here on the, on the right. Um, but then there's the punch you just didn't see coming. Sometimes it's referred to as a sucker punch. I must confess... And you guys know from listening to me from the very early stages, I have never been shy about pushing buttons on culture war issues, like the last two days, for example, <laughs> okay? I never, ever had it on my radar that we would be taking our kids to public libraries to get teabagged by drag queens. That American high schools would have twerking drag queens. I just, it wasn't even on my radar. I didn't contemplate that this would happen. And, and so I want us to take our best stab at Tim's question because I have to tell you, I, I don't know the answer. This seemingly feels like it just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Remember the video my daughter Anna did about this phenomenon a few months ago? And it's like an entire national organization with like chapters and all kinds of states, including neighboring Nebraska, for goodness sakes. And how blown, I was just blown away. I was like, I had no idea this thing was this rooted, this embedded. Now, did I just miss this? Because my kids have never been in a government school. Now as homeschoolers, they've been in our government library a lot. <laughs> okay. Did I just miss this because I'm not involved in the government school ecosystem? And so you could maybe if you and your family were, you can almost see this coming. Could you guys see this coming? Because oh. I, did, I didn't see it come in at all. 
I'm, I, we just, I just woke up one day. I was like, these like this tumor just like showed up and metastasized, and we have to irradiate it now. I don't. I can't answer his question. This was the greatest shock of my wife running for school board. Uh, the, the issues uh, we had with the school j- district uh, were multiple and significant, but th- this in particular was not the demon. Uh, we were, you know, before the, the porn in the schools and all that stuff, we, we, we were shocked when instantly the online pushback to her running and she's a much different person uh, than I am. I'm the far more visible one. It was instantly this pocket, this handful of people who supported this unapologetically. This was their platform to have more trans in the schools. So no, I, this this absolutely came out of left field. Aaron, did you see this coming? Did we miss it generationally? So you're a younger no. generation. Is this popular entertainment for the millennial generation? You guys hang out at these places no. a lot? No, no. I, I st- talk about a, a switch flipping. I mean, circa 2000, I don't know, 10, which is when I was in college, when I went to college, I don't even think I had heard I don't even think I'd heard the term transgender yet now maybe that's because I was too sheltered but even even back in like 2015 when I started working for you this was just like seedy seedy little areas on the on portions of the internet so that's what's coming up on seven years ago as I recall just seedy portions of the internet for the most part I don't know when it went to uh, twerking in toddlers' faces. I mean, it just it just happened, it just happened, seemingly overnight. Uh, what's the thing you've been saying with increasing frequency? When you let go of the rope, it goes fast. Yes. Then the next question becomes: in, We don't we don't want to contemplate the next question. <laughs> no. Where does this go next? Because if we didn't see this coming, what are we not seeing coming right now? Now, we can see the, the pedophile thing coming right now. That's pretty obvious. It's part and parcel to this. And we talked mm-hmm. about the reasons why last mm-hmm. week. What, then what happens after that? I, I don't know. Has a, has a society ever survived pedophilia? I, I don't know. Has a, has a society ever tried? I'm trying tried? to actually think of a society has that has mainstreamed mass pedophilia. Pederasty is, was a common practice, but you're talking about pubescence. Yes. You're talking about prepubescence, and I, I am historically, anthropologically trying to think of a society and, that mainstreamed this in human history, and I, and I can't think of one off the top of my head. On top of, on top of that as well, um, is this the first instance of transgenderism in, in human history? I mean beyond androgyny, yeah, to the point that we're not we're not playing we're not just um, role playing or cross dressing, but that this is a separate species of people, yeah, right, or at least that's what, or there's a there's a third phylum, not just ma- male that's, and female. That's what we're being asked. To no, of course that's yeah. never happened in human history either. So then, see, this is why I wanted to have this conversation because I wanted us to put our heads together with our with our combined observations. That that to me then begs a couple of potential readings of the signs of the times. All right. Pause right there. And let me finish up 
with our partners today and our friends at Home Title Lock. Um, you can go to Home Title Lock's website right now. Uh, don't find out because when you when you become a victim of home title fraud, you're you're always the last one to know. And a lot of our home titles are kept online these days, so they can be hacked by scammers. They can go in there, make it look like you sold your home to them on a quick claim deed, liquidate your uh, equity, stick you with the payments, even put your home up for sale. We've seen some stories where that has actually occurred in the past. Uh, go to HomeTitleLock.com and use our promo code RADIO. Uh, because when you do that, you can enter your address for free and get a no-obligation title scan on your home to make sure it is still in the free and clear. That's normally a $100 value. It is free for you today with the code RADIO. If you head over to HomeTitleLock.com, make sure. Just have the peace of mind of knowing that your most important investment is protected at HomeTitleLock.com, code RADIO, for a free $100 value, free no obligation, home title scan at hometitlelock.com, code radio. All right, so here's what we have deduced. And this is a pretty good cross-section of people, right? So you and I are of the same generation, but your kids were involved in public schooling for several years. Mine have never been. So even though we're in the same era, you had access to an ecosystem, to a subculture that mm -hmm. I just did not, mm -hmm. right? Aaron's from an entirely different generation, Okay. So pretty diverse life experience perspectives here. And none of us were like, oh yeah, we could see that was the turning point. And we were like five minutes. We knew that because of blank, mm -hmm. they were going to teabag the toddlers with drag queens at the library. We all just feel like this was a very well-disguised blitz that we just did not read at the line of scrimmage and got lit up, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that puts a couple of options, at least on the table for discussion here. A, is that a sign of a Romans 1 judgment? What is a Romans 1 judgment? If you read Romans 1, I believe it's starting around, I think it's either verse 14 or 17. Paul is, as he does with all of his epistles, done with his sort of introductions and salutations uh, and gets into the meat of what he's about to write, which is the greatest theological treatise in the history of humanity, in my opinion. And it begins with these words, the wrath of God is revealed upon mankind. And, and what he describes, and I think I've told you guys on this show before, but since we do have a lot of people that are new in the last year or two, maybe you've not heard me say this. This, you know, Luther said Romans uh, 117, for the righteous shall live by faith, was the verse that started uh, in my, his mind, the reformation that inspired him. This portion of scripture for the wrath of God is revealed upon mankind. And what I read next radically altered the way that I do this show. Radically altered it. I, al I always believed that it was strictly an invoking of the wrath of God by if we do these things. And that, that, that by the way, that is biblical too. It, it can happen that way, right? Like this happens to the Israelites. They they do the one thing Moses, well, they did many things warned them, Moses warned them not to do, but one of the main ones, they went into the valley of Ben-Hinnom and they threw their body, their babies into the fire to Malok and that was, that invoked the wrath of God. 10 minutes later, Nebuchadnezzar's surrounding Jerusalem and the siege is on. So that, that I don't want to make it look like that does not happen. It does happen that way. But see, I always thought it only happened that way. But what Paul makes clear in Romans 1 here is that the unrestraining of evil within a culture is in and of itself 
a judgment of God. That God has removed what previous eras would call a natural law or a common grace in previous philosophical or theological eras of, of Christendom. That God has removed that hand of restraint. He is no longer actively at work restraining evil within that culture on a corporate level. He is, as Aaron put it the other day, like Burger King, letting you have it your way. That rocked my world, man, and blew my mind. Now, yeah, we, we, by permitting these things, we can provoke the wrath of God. But it can also take on the, a, a more subtle but just as destructive form of God is no longer now protecting us from ourselves. He is letting us have what we want. He is treating us as the ingrates we are. I think if, if we're all agreeing, reading the tea leaves here, reading the signs of the times to be more biblical, tea leaves would be pagan. So reading the signs of the times to make a directly in, you know, invocation here, a biblical one, is that the sign of the time of a Romans one judgment? When this kind of evil, particularly amongst our most innocents, just comes absolutely, like the abortion battle had waged in the country for like over yeah. a decade, right? You didn't just wake up one day in 1973 and abortion was legal. This had been waving, this, they'd been raging this throughout the, the entire counterculture. Mm -hmm. We all feel like we just woke up one day and saw drag queens teabagging toddlers at kindergarten, at, 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 at kindergartners uh, and, and at, uh, at, at public libraries. Is that a sign of a Romans one judgment? Yes, I think so. I think so. Uh, and I think what's fascinating to watch the eye-opening nature of this uh, I think that the the, uh, the gay marriage ruling, I think Obergefell, um, had a lot to do with it, if not everything, did the final straw. Uh, and it took getting to uh, tr Trump, Kavanaugh, Russian collusion, uh, all of that, co COVID, to open the floodgates, uh, BLM, like the, the criminals just doing whatever you want to, to open the floodgates of, of that. But th that bounce back of human history all the way back to the beginning male and female he created them uh two shall become one to to rent that asunder was i think the last straw if it's not a sign of a romans one judgment i don't want to know what is mm. that would be uh that's a good a answer too. wailing and gnashing of teeth here's another question though uh if this is if this is sign uh, a sign of romans one judgment what is the overturning of roe v wade a sign of now that could be a very good answer could be a not so good answer it could be a tactical retreat of hell or it could be a sign of something else that could be very good as well so on that level we we just live in unprecedented times just Todd, unprecedented talk. Oh, Come Sorry. on now, man. You're losing was... your fastball. Uh, we do live in very difficult to discern times, but but overall, I don't think things are things don't seem to be getting better. So I'll just put it there. Number two, if we all agree that we cannot think of a time that this level of sexualization and institutional abuse of children was manifested in any culture we can think of. And we can't ever think of a time that human beings suggested there was a third species 
does that suggest we could be living in an end times scenario? Could be. Occam's razor. It's a fascinating and provoking conversation. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.